you may not know by looking at me, um, but when I was in high school, I dabbled a little bit in long distance running. Believe it or not, I did. I was by no means a marathon runner. I wasn't a marathon runner then, and I am by no means even close to a marathon runner now. But back in the day, I actually kind of enjoyed it. You know, the, the road ahead of you, you're, you're getting your stride and that determination to stay ahead of the pact. Was I a good runner? Absolutely not. But I, I did kind of find a little bit of joy in it once in a while. You know, that first kilometer really wasn't a problem. It was kind of a piece of cake. The second kilometer, a little bit more difficult, but you're, you're still able to keep moving forward. Kilometer three is ahead of you, and you just kind of keep going. And as each kilometer passes, it just gets a little bit more difficult as you move forward. You know, I always kind of tried to keep in mind that, that I wanted to be in the top three. I never wanted to really move to fourth place, right? So as I'm running, I'm going strong, and I see this one person go by me, and it's like, you know what? I'm not too concerned. I'm now in second place, and I'm still running. I'm going good. The sweat is going down. Number two passes by, and now I'm starting to get a little bit worried, right? Because you know what happens next. When that next person comes by, that has dropped me now in the fourth place, and that is not a place that I wanted to be in. So this is what happened. So I'm, I'm running, I'm going strong, and here's what I did every time. I'm going, and I did this. Every time I looked back, and every time I moved forward, the people that were in front of me were way further ahead than what they were before I turned back. What I realized very quickly, that every time that I'm running and I turned around, it slowed me down. And I was no longer able to focus on what was ahead of me because at that moment I became a whole lot more concerned about what was happening behind me than moving in the direction that I needed to go. And there it was. Down the road, you can see it down the long country road, that finish line. The race, it's almost over and you can taste victory. But for that last kilometer, the pain that would start to come, and you'd get that, that all over, literally. The whole body at this point is just aching for me, and you just want to throw in that towel. You want to be done and think, man, this just ain't worth it anymore. And you kind of give that little pep talk because you know just down the road you can see it is the finish line. You say, you can do it, Marcy. You can do it. Keep going. And you begin to focus a little bit more on your breathing. You do the... The steady in through the nose and steady out through the mouth. Steady in, steady out. That, that's what, how it worked. And then I kind of developed this little trick. Now, I don't know if this is something that, that's common in running. Who knows? But it's something that worked for me and something that I tried. And I found that it worked. Here's what happened. I'm running along. I'm doing my thing. I got my thing going, right? And then all of a sudden, at the end, when I got close, I kind of leaned a little bit forward, like quite a bit forward. And I just kind of kept going. Because what that did for me is it made sure that I had to keep moving forward. I had to keep taking that next step. Because as soon as I stopped running, face plant right into the pavement. Never happened. But I'm assuming that's what's going to happen if I stopped running at that point. So I kept going. And again, I have no idea if it happened. I, I don't even know if, it, if, if, if it's this, that's the big secret I'm letting out and how you run marathons. But what it allowed me to do, it allowed me to get to that finish line. Not always first. In fact, very seldom first. Usually third place. But I made it. I got there. And my little 
simple little trick. It really was that simple because all I did was I kind of leaned into the race. I had to lean for it because that made me take the next step. And what I realized very quickly is that when running, there is really only one direction that you need to go, and that direction is forward. And in order for me to cross that finish line, I had to lean a whole lot into the race to get me there. So if you have your Bibles open, why don't you open it up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I just want to read with you just a few passages of Scripture from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. So if you have that, please follow along. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 2020. Man, wasn't that a year? Unbelievable, wasn't it? Here's just a few things that took place in the last 365 days. On April the 18th and 19th, Gabriel Wartman committed multiple shootings and set fire to 16 locations in Nova Scotia, killing 22 people, injuring three more. This was Canada's largest mass shooting on record. Various blockades took place across the country of people who protest against the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The deaths of Kobe Bryant, Chadwick Boseman, Alex Trebek, and many others. Various scandals in Canadian politics. The opioid overdose in B.C. is at an all-time high right now. We went through a provincial election and we watched an election take place down south. The U.S.-Canada border is currently closed unless you, are part of, you need to travel for essential reasons. Over 15,000 people now, and that number keeps climbing, who have passed away due to COVID-19-related causes. Grade 12 and university and college graduations have, have changed drastically this past year. And we experienced death in our church family. We experienced struggles in our marriages, and we experienced miscarriages. We haven't met in, in this auditorium as a complete church family since March of this year. That's a long time. And youth group hasn't met, and every week has met, but we, every week is kind of up in the air. Is what's going to happen? Are we going to be live? Are we going to be Zoom? Or do we have to cancel? Everything has changed. And by no means is this an exhausted list of, of everything that has taken place in 2020, but I do believe it's things that perhaps have weighed heavy upon our hearts and even maybe kept us up at night sometimes. And I'm sure that if, if we took some time, you could add to this list. But it hasn't all been bad, has it? There have been many wonderful joys that have taken place as well. Weddings took place. We just saw some beautiful weddings that have took place. Babies were born. Birthdays, significant birthdays were celebrated this past year. And in record time, people were able to develop a vaccine to combat COVID-19. Again, if, if time permitted, you could add to this list, and I'm sure that you can come up with a whole list of, of, of things that, that brought joy this past year. But often, I believe, it's the previous list that overshadows 
the, the list of exciting things. You know, I'm not really sure why that is. But often we remember the bad things before we focus on the positive things. It's often the bad things that, that linger in our mind perhaps longer than what they should. So whether you find yourself focusing on the tough stuff of 2020, or you find yourselves focusing on the joys of 2020, I'm sure one thing that we can agree on, it has been quite the year. One that none of us probably expected when we gathered here a year ago in this auditorium as we focused on Philippians 4, where the Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. But you know, for tonight's verse, uh, we again are looking at the book of Philippians, and, and it's very important for us to understand the context of what's taking place for us to understand a little bit where Paul is coming from when he wrote the book to the church in Philippi. Because when we understand the situation of Paul when he writes this letter, I, I kind of believe it's going to help us to appreciate a little bit more what Paul is saying. You know, it's, it's kind of like when, when somebody comes to us and, and who has gone through the same type of experiences or the same type of joys that we have gone through, and they offer you a little bit of vice, advice or they offer you a little bit of comfort, knowing that they have been through the same thing, kind of we kind of take it a little bit more to heart, do, don't we, than from those who probably have no clue what we've been through. And, and I kind of think it's, it's very similar here tonight. For you see, Paul is writing this encouraging letter to the church of Philippi while he is under house arrest. And he's under house arrest because he was defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was in house arrest for two years and he was waiting his appearance before Nero. He, he couldn't go out. He couldn't do life as he normally would. All changed for Paul when he was put under house arrest. Paul waited and he waited and two years he waited to find, if, to find out if he was going to stand in front of Nero because he knew that if he did, the likelihood of him being executed was pretty much going to happen. See, because Nero, he was just downright nasty to Christian. This is the same Nero that would cut off the heads of Christians and use their heads as torches at his parties. He didn't have a whole lot of use for Christians. And that's what Paul was waiting for to go in front of. Paul, stuck in his home, no place to go and no positive outlook to the future. Does Paul understand what it means to have a bad year? I think he does. Does Paul understand what it means to be trapped in our homes? I think he does. Does Paul understand what it means to be, to be frustrated and, and to deal with all the emotions that come with being isolated or lonely or even confused about what's going to happen next? I think he does. And in the midst of all of this, he seems to be able to write this amazing joy-filled letter to the church in Philippi. You know, there's no crisis that's taking place in, in Philippi that Paul needs to write this letter. He is just simply writing this letter, this amazing letter, out of pure joy for thanks for their support to him and his ministry. And you know, if you think about it, it really is rather remarkable that he is able to do this. With all the junk that's taking place in Paul's life that he has to deal with in his life and in his ministry, this, this, he still is able to muster up the ability 
to write a letter that is filled with so much joy. Because if you have an opportunity to read it, and I want to encourage you to read the book from start to finish, you will see that there is no underlining currents of anger. There is no underlining currents of, of frustration in this letter. It is a letter of, enjoy, of encouragement th and thanks, and, and one that starts out and ends with pure joy. And I'm not sure, if I were to be honest with you, if I could write such a letter right now. A ask my wife. Just, just ask her. There have been times that I have been so frustrated with the reality of COVID-19. How it has altered the way that we do life. How, how, how it has changed the way that we interact with our family members and with our friends. The fact that everywhere we go, we got to wear the masks. We haven't met here in this building since March. Youth group is not meeting the way that it should be. People are, are obeying the rules, and then you have other people that think they're above the law, and they just keep doing whatever they want. It's so frustrating, and it just makes me so angry. And to be honest, I, I really don't think that I could write a letter like Paul wrote that is filled with so much joy and so much hope. I am not sure that I could look past my own circumstances and give so much hope to somebody else. How about you? Are you at all frustrated with the realities of what's taking place in our world? You know, as I was pondering this message for tonight, I found myself wrestling with the fact that, that I couldn't do what Paul did. I, I couldn't. You know, I wonder, how, how could Paul be so positive when his current situations in life were far from positive? You know, and then I thought to myself, what, what would I ask Paul if I could have a half hour with him sitting on a bench and I could sit beside, stand beside him or sit beside him and ask him one question? I think I would ask this. I'd say, Paul, how in the world could you be so positive with all the stuff that's going on in your life? And to answer this question, I honestly believe that Paul would, would quote back to me the words that he penned in chapter 3. This is what he wrote. And I'm, I'm just going to put my name in there. And I want to encourage you to put your name in there as well. Marcel, I pressed on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Marcel, I pressed on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, there are so many points that we can take out of our passage for tonight that we could be here till midnight and beyond. But we're only going to take a look at one point tonight, and that's this. This is our life application for this evening. It says, we need... To stop looking back, we need to keep moving forward as we lean into God. We need to stop looking back. We need to keep moving forward as we lean into God. As I shared with you a little bit about my running stint, the one thing that slowed me down was always when I looked back. That slowed me down from reaching the goal that I wanted to, to, to achieve. I was more concerned about what's happening in my past than my present and my future. And the direction I was going slowed down. 
You see, Paul is, is very clear when he says that we need to forget what is behind. You know, we can't erase the past. The past is the past. It's part of who we are. It's part of, of how we are. It's just part of life. It really is. But so often we have the tendency to dwell in the past, giving it more attention than it deserves, while the present joy and the future joy is missed. Human nature is to hang on to anger. It is to hang on to unforgiveness, to bitterness, and to rage and the like. It eats away at the core of, of who we are. And the longer that we hold on, the more clouded our vision becomes. You know, I'm sure that all of us can look back on 2020 and perhaps even further. And we still find ourselves thinking about those situations that still happen that cause knots within us. You know, sticky situations in life, they're going to happen. But we have to ask ourselves, do they control us? Do they shape the decisions that we make? Do they steal the way the joy that we presently could be experiencing or the joy that we may experience in the future? See, Paul's encouragement for joy is for us to forget what is behind. You know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy step to take. But the reality is no one else can take that step for you. For you to forget what is behind is not somebody else's responsibility. It's yours and it's mine. I need to stop blaming other people and then by the grace of God, move forward, press on. I need to stop letting other people or situations determine how I am going to move forward. You know, it's not easy. But if we don't, if I don't, take the first step in moving forward. It's never going to happen. If you want to experience joy, Paul says, forget what is behind. The things that are slowing us down and we need to move forward. You know, Paul expressed this in the book of Hebrews as well. And here's what he writes in the book of Hebrews. He says this, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we need to stop looking back. And we need to keep moving forward. You know, it's, it's not a matter of just forgetting what is behind. Paul says that we need to keep moving forward. That we need to stretch out to what lies ahead. You know, it's not good enough to stay put. He says we need to stretch ourselves out in pursuit of the prize. Now, I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Maybe Paul was, was thinking a little bit of Psalm 23 when he wrote this. Because it, it reminded me what David wrote in this psalm where David wrote that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, David 
when he wrote this beautiful psalm, he's expressing the same thing that Paul is stating in Philippians. Keep walking. You know, we can't linger in the past. We can't put up a tent and we can't cap out. We sure shouldn't be stewing on it for all our lives. Paul and David both say that we need to keep walking, that we need to keep moving forward, that we need to walk through, that we need to strain ahead and reach forward. You can't win a race if you're staying in the same place. You can't. It's a fact. You know, there, there is one thing. Well, there's lots of things, actually. But one thing in particular that really frustrates me about our treadmill. And that's this. No matter how fast I run, no matter how far that little computer thing says I ran, I'm still in the same spot. You see, in order to have a chance at finishing the race, you need to keep moving forward. Because you see, in a race, whether I'm at the, the uh, starting line and I stop 20 feet in, or I'm getting close to that finish line and I'm 20 feet away and I stop, the end result is going to be the same. I'm not going to finish cross that finish line. I'm gonna, I've stopped pressing on towards the goal. See, Paul's encouragement for us is to strain toward what is ahead. That's his encouragement to us. You know, have you ever taught a child how to walk? At one point, you need to let them try walking on your own, right? So what you do is you take your child and you set them kind of a couple feet away and you kind of back away and you say, come on, you can do it, right? That's how it's done. And what does the toddler always do? Once they get a little bit closer to you, they kind of reach out their hands and they start walking forward so that you're going to pick them up. And they want you to pick them up with joy and with excitement because they did it. Paul states in in verse 14, this is what he says. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That right there, that's the finish line. That's the finish line. And, And this is why we need to forget what is behind and we need to keep moving forward to be with Jesus. The prize that we, that that you and I, all who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, will receive is everlasting glory. This is a free gift from God our Father. He made it possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. We can forget the past because God's Son, Jesus Christ, He took that and He nailed it to the cross. And we can keep moving forward because God's Son didn't stay on the cross dead. He rose again, and He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and He is seated at the right hand of His Father. That's why we can move forward. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who makes this possible for us. You know, and that that should be our joy, shouldn't it? That should be our hope for 2021 as we turn the calendar in in just over five and a half hours. It is my prayer that that we as, as a church community and that as individuals that we will find that joy and that we will find that hope. 
forgetting what is behind, walking forward, <laughs> you know, that, that is a whole lot easier said and done, isn't it? I know I'm thinking it. It really is. But take a look at the last other point once again. It says, we need to stop looking back. Okay. We need to keep moving forward. But here we go. We need to lean into God. We need to lean into God. You know, when the, when the going got tough, when the pain and the difficulty of the race was too difficult to bear, you lean forward into the race. And that's what kept me going. You know, as we wrap up tonight, may I suggest that perhaps before you put any other New Year's resolution on paper, before you write it down, you commit to this one thing. That for 2021, you will lean in to God. That you will lean into God. We cannot run the race without God. If we try, it'll be like us standing on that frustrating treadmill, running our hearts out, doing all the work, and getting nowhere. You and I, we need God in our life. And the more that we bring God in, the more that we lean into God, the clearer the prize becomes. But how do we do it? How do we lean into God? Well, may I suggest three, very briefly, three things. Commit. I want to suggest that we as a church community and individually, that we commit. Number one, let's lean in by committing yourself to prayer. Lean in by committing yourself to prayer. Carve out time every day to pray to God. I, I want to go one step further, and I want to challenge you to go into your day timers and actually schedule a time that you are going to be intentional in praying and having communication with God. You know, 1 Thessalonians, it says this. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. For who? For you. Lean in by committing yourself to prayer. And then second, uh, lean in by committing yourself to reading and applying God's Word. You know, take intentional time this year to spend in God's Word. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or even if you receive Gateway's weekly newsletter or weekly bulletin, but if you scroll to the bottom, you are going to notice that, that every week we have Scripture passages there. And, and we put that there to encourage you to read Scripture. And if you follow the pattern that's there, if you follow the Scripture passages, you are going to finish the Bible in one year, starting tomorrow in a few hours, January 1st. You'll be encouraged to read Genesis 1 to 3 in Psalm number 1. Will you take up the challenge? Will you join us in that? Read God's Word. Or you may just say, you know what, maybe that's, that's not for me. But then maybe what you want to do is you want to find your favorite book in the Bible. And you want to spend intentional time digging in, going in deep to try to understand what God has to say for you in that book. Romans 10 says this, So faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. 
please allow God to speak to you through his word. And then third, very briefly third, lean in by committing to being in community with fellow believers. Commit to being in community with fellow believers. You know, God's word in in Hebrews 10 tells us that we are to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is community. Helping each other to grow in faith, to be better in Christ. You know, one of the ways that we do that here at Gateway is through our life group ministry. People gathering together, having meaningful conversations centered around God's Word and prayer. That's how we do it here. And if you're not part of a life group, I want to encourage you to join up. I'm sure Pastor Adam would be more than happy to help you do that. That's how we do it here. But that's not the only way. If if there's a different way that you feel that you can be part of communities, say, volunteering with a group of people, please commit to doing that. The point is, find a way to be in fellowship with other believers. And then lean into it and commit. You know, we need to stop lean, stop looking back. We need to keep moving forward. And we need to lean into God. Friends, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lean in with arms stretched out, ready for God, your Father, to lift you up in joy. And together, May we take heart to Paul's words this evening as we go into 2021. May we forget what is behind and may we together strain toward what is ahead. May we press on. May we press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called you, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, From us at Gateway to you, we wish you all God's blessings in 2021. Amen.